Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Starr. We got Scott Chase and my friend in here from, he covers Kansas. He's a master of many talents and he's actually won journalism awards. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. I'm good, Eric. I'm glad to be back, back on the podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I, I was, when I first had this podcast, I was thinking, hey, I'll have Sean, you, and all these other friends on a lot. And then I decided, hey, we got to get everybody on this podcast, every single person in NBA Twitter. And it's going pretty well so far. We got some pretty big names and, uh, really glad to talk at NBA Awards with you. Did it with Troy last year and we're doing with you this year. For, for sure. And, you know, we were talking about a little bit before this. I've fallen a little bit behind on the podcast, but like listening to guys like Matt Moore on it has been just absolutely awesome. The conversation's been super interesting. So, no, always happy to jump on. Yes, uh, so excited. Well, we'll start with um, MVP. This is the award show. Uh, we're going to talk all the kind of awards that will happen. We'll have some, um, some maybe a, little, a couple honorable, honorable mentions as well as some first, second, thirds. Um, we'll just kind of go back and forth, talk about all the interesting parts. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. Uh, who do you have for your uh, honorable mention in MVP consideration? All right, honorable mention in MVP, I think, and this is a hard one, I think it starts with Kevin Durant, or anyone on the Warriors, really. I think there are a lot of teams in the NBA right now that have MVP candidates who aren't going to be MVP candidates because of their teammates. I think you look in Oklahoma City, someone like Russell Westbrook, I, it, it'd be incredibly hard for him to win it playing with Melo and Paul George and because he just won it. I mean, you look in Houston with James Harden, he's another one I would I would put honorable mention because, I mean, he, we saw Chris Paul struggle in game one and he's dealing with an injury. They're not going to give it to, to James Harden with that roster, especially with Chris Paul. Um, again, unless he does something Herculean. So those would be mine. I think Kevin Durant is a guy who absolutely could win the MVP this year, and I feel the same way about Steph Curry. But I really don't think it's going to come from any one of those teams with more than one just mega stars on it. So I, I think there are three MVP candidates this year. I won't spoil my three. I'll let you give your honorable mention. But I think there are... I think there are three clear-cut MVP candidates this year. Interesting, because I, I have, I think, from my list versus what you said, I think there's one that's going to be a surprise um, on your list that I don't know about. Um, there, I agree with you. I mean, Russell Westbrook's not going to win it unless he has another triple double and gets the like, and then like is leading the league in scoring or something. Also, like with him just winning it, him, Harden, Steph, probably, I mean, I was on the, listen to the Zach Lowe podcast, um, which, by the way, if you're not doing it, NBA Twitter people, you need to listen to that podcast. It is the best one. Um, better than this one, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Zach Lowe is the best. Um, so, he, uh, let's see here. So, I mean, Steph, all of them can win it. My dark horse, which more, it's more wishful thinking, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I would love if he won MVP, just went crazy, found a jump shot, and led his team to a maybe a five seed, six seed, four seed, maybe in the East with the, with this uh, Hayward stuff, maybe even a third seed. Um, that's my honorable mention, and uh, like you, my third to go off is Kevin Durant, uh, my third person. He's my favorite player of all time. Um, he. Is really good. He could still, he could, he could still win it because the narrative is on his side more than Steph's side. Um, uh, kind of two-way player plus uh, being on such a great team. What do you think of that? And uh, let's hear your third after you finish that. 
Yeah, well, I, I definitely think Durant would be the one to win it from the Warriors. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. I think it was an Ethan Strauss story, maybe one of his last that he did for ESPN, that it was basically the only person who can stop Steph Curry is Kevin Durant, or maybe the, the title was vice versa. But mm-hmm, yeah. it, the, the gist of it was those two guys kind of struggling to play together and figuring each other out. But, no, I definitely agree. I think it, it, it's almost funny because if I were listing players the Warriors couldn't afford to lose – Kevin Durant would probably be third. But that being said, I, I think he's absolutely the most likely MVP candidate of all of them because in a vacuum, he's probably the best player. And if I were starting a franchise from scratch tomorrow, he might be the player I would pick. I know he's a little bit older than guys like my third choice for MVP candidate this year, which I'll mention now. Uh, I, I have Kawhi Leonard at three. Uh, a little Ooh. bit hesitant. A little bit hesitant on him because of the injury and I, w- I want to see how he gets back and, and everything but I mean you look at that Spurs team they've got talent I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a lot better than I guess NBA Twitter has kind of buried him I, I think uh, Rudy Gay is going to have a big year and you-, you just look at their roster year after year guys whoever they need to step up if it's if it's Murray if it's Patty Mills if it's a- any number of guys just come in Pau Gasol and make plays to win games it- it's no secret I mean they won tonight without Kawhi Leonard they don't need him but Tony Parker yeah for sure and when he's back too from injury but uh, Kawhi Leonard is is obviously you know probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA I know his numbers were a little bit wonky last year uh, he's an incredible, you know, scoring option. Some guys like Nick Wright on Fox Sport One, who I, who I actually like, but I uh, dog him for like his assists and things like that. But uh, there are very few players that I would want to start a franchise with over Kawhi Leonard. I think the Spurs this year, uh, they'll be his team even more so than they have been in past years. And you know, if the Spurs won 60 games, I could absolutely see. You know, if they were the two seed, I could I could absolutely see Kawhi Leonard getting an MVP. Well, interestingly enough, that's my number one. So that's going to make an interesting list for us. Um, who's your number two? All right, so you mentioned my number two MVP candidate previously, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I love it. I, I love Giannis this year. Uh, you mentioned the jump shot, and that's certainly the biggest thing. But, you know, I, I just think... It, the way he has kind of come into his own handling, you know, point guard responsibilities at times, just taking over as an offensive force. Uh, he's the most vineable player. I guess Vine isn't really around anymore, but he <laughs> is the most highlight-oriented player in the NBA. His length is ridiculous. Uh, you see plays where he takes one dribble from half court and then goes and dunks or euro steps. Um, I, I think we're in for a monster year from uh, from Giannis. I, I picked him as my second choice candidate on my podcast Triple OT, and then to, what does he do opening night of the regular season? He explodes with like a billion points and leads his team to a win in the fourth quarter. So no, Giannis would be my number two. Yeah, and so for those of you who don't know, seriously, go YouTube it. Like he's taking one dribble from half court and dunking. He'll jump, he'll hang, or he shouldn't. Like there, he's the one player so far I've seen in a while that uh, he defies the laws of physics when he tries to do something. But near the rim, it's crazy, um, for sure. My number two is LeBron James. I think the narrative is in his favor now, um, with Kyrie leaving, it injured, Jay Crowder's there. But I think that the he's gonna have to do more. Um, I mean, he almost had triple double on opening night, and he said I was out of shape. I was like, yeah. Out of shape for who? I mean, he said for his expectations, but uh, he doesn't have to be in shape to win games. He just has to be himself 
and anyway, he's he's amazing in terms of poise and and the way he pr- purports himself. It's amazing. But he he's my second second pick because with the rest of Westbrook and Harden going away, it it doesn't seem like it's going to take as much scoring output to to be the MVP this year as it did in the last couple of years. Um, and if he, as I said with Marcus Thompson a couple a last episode. LeBron decides what year if he's sh- three points shots going to be on or not on this year or this playoffs this series whatever it's he he he's he's a good three point shooter but just sometimes it doesn't isn't there and if he if it's a good one this year and he can score twenty seven points a game or whatever um he'll he's there's a good chance he wins it and he, since he hasn't won in a while um it's a testament to his longevity especially in his I think it's fifteenth year. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. LeBron is my number one pick for MVP. Um, I, I think you absolutely nailed it with the narrative. I think that's the the biggest thing with him is we talked about some of the other players in the league's teaming up, and you obviously just mentioned him too. And you know, this is a Cavs team with you know I, I'm not sure Kyrie Irving. I think we're going to find out, especially now after the Hayward injury, how good Kyrie Irving really is, because there have always been some questions about how good he is, and you know, when LeBron's out, what the Cavs record has been, and the metrics say that LeBron elevated the Cavs last year as much as Westbrook elevated the Thunder, and things like that, so we're, I I think this year is the prime example of, let's see how good the Cavs are, it's another case, kind of like the Spurs, if the Cavaliers win 60 games, there's no chance, at least in my mind, that LeBron James wouldn't be the the MVP of the NBA because it's a given that he's going to put up 26, 6, and 6, and that would be a bad year by LeBron James' standard. He's he's probably going to be better in all three categories, and it's just, it's ridiculous after a while, a little bit of fatigue sets in, but hey, LeBron hasn't won the MVP since I believe he won it four, four times in five years. Um, so yeah, what a, what a time it would be to, I believe, get his fifth MVP at, at the age he's about to turn 33 and, you know, opening night doesn't look like he's slowed down a step. And as someone who actually got in shape the first time in his life this summer, I am very offended by LeBron saying he's not in shape. (laughs) That's great. So, um, mine are, again, to recap, um, Dark Horse Giannis, uh, Kevin Durant three, LeBron two, Kawhi one. Why don't you say yours to recap? Uh, to recap, my my three, two, one in that order was Kawhi, Giannis, and then LeBron James. Well, it's, we have pretty as we always know, you and I have very similar ideas about ranking <laughs> players. Uh, that's a joke back to a couple of years ago when we ranked every player on the Suns, and it's almost <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, um, all for 15, sure. like every player, and it was crazy. Anyway, <laughs> let's um, move yeah. Like, what were you gonna say? No, no, it's, I was just gonna say it's. It's amazing. It just whenever there's a ranking or a list, it seems like we're usually just spot on. Every time. It's great. Um, why don't we move on to Defensive Player of the Year, which is, again, um, even maybe more, maybe we'll call it pigeonholed. There's uh, two players, and I actually just, as I'm looking at my list, believe I've lifted out a player as I was thinking about it. So I may change it in, on the fly. Why don't you say your number, uh, your number three or your honorable mention? Um, I'll start with my number three because... Uh, I, I see this as kind of a limited field. Um, originally, I, I'm kind of doing an audible here, basically after one night of the NBA season. I had Draymond Green as my number one pick on Triple OT. Just got a little bit nervous that he got a little bit dinged up yesterday and not sure if that's going to linger or not. So cautiously, and me being a, you know someone who likes to hedge against himself, I'll put him at number three. But I, I've made an interesting point with Green. I don't know if this is a hot take necessarily, 
Um, but talking about the Hall of Fame, I've always had a problem about how sports Hall of Fames are done. I think way too many people get into every Hall of Fame. I think if you look at the NFL Hall of Fame, yeah. you know, you, you would say there are five quarterbacks playing in the last five years who are, who are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Well, then I would look at it and say, what is a Hall of Fame quarterback if five of them can play at the same time? So for me, I... I would be more inclined to put a guy like Draymond Green, who I believe is the most transformational defender in NBA history, I would be more inclined to put a guy like that in the Hall of Fame, even if his career ended tomorrow, than I would a guy like a Carmelo Anthony or a Tracy McGrady or, or people who, they're, they're great, elite, top-level, generational talents, but for some reason, there seem to be a few of them in every generation. So maybe it's not so special. So, uh, no, Draymond Green would be my number three pick. He can guard anyone at any time. His tenacity, his grit, his willingness to, to be a superstar, but also scrap, get on the floor. And sometimes that gets him into trouble with technical fouls and things like that. But uh, I, I've grown to become a huge, huge fan of Draymond Green, even though I didn't, I didn't always like him, quite frankly. Uh, so Draymond Green is my number three pick. Interesting. I, I still kind of don't like Draymond, and I, I try to to take a step back and see um, his his impact on the court. And we see it when we play defense, and you see it when he's gone that you can lose a lead to a Rockets team who was playing pretty well, but still. But interesting. So interesting to me about the Hall of Fame because Draymond, like how think about this with a regular supporting cast. If Draymond's the best player, how good is that team? I don't know. Do they make I, the playoffs even? I. I I think if if he had the right team around him, he could make the playoffs. But no, I totally agree with you, and and that's what I mean when I say I would change it. Like I'll give another example with quarterbacks. You know, Michael Vick was our generation's Bo Jackson, right? I would mm-hmm. be more inclined to put a guy like that in the Hall of Fame than a guy like Eli Manning, who stole a couple couple Super Bowls and you know did X over X years of his career, just because again. For our generation, at least, Michael Vick was different than everyone else. He was a generational talent who did something in his period. I think he rushed for a 1,000 yards in a season that no quarterback was doing. So it's things like that to me that I, if I were making a Hall of Fame, I wouldn't want to just put, you know, every great player who accrues a lot of statistics and get a lot of points. I would want to, you know, put guys who actually stick out amongst the generation. So, you know, here's how selective I would be with the NBA. If I were if I were building my NBA Hall of Fame, the only Hall of Famers from recent memory would be Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. And I would exclude every other player. And I would make Whoa. the Hall of Fame really special. Because how special is the Hall of Fame if 10 players who are playing at a single time can make it, then it's not Shaq? a whole thing. Uh, Shaq a little bit earlier, but yeah, I would put him in too. But, but again, how special is the Hall of Fame if 10 players playing at the same time can make it? Then it's not a Hall of Fame. It's a Hall of really good players in the sport who weren't as special as everyone makes them out to be because there were 10 of them playing at the same time. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. It's a hot take. I know. It's, it's not a hot take. It's, it's a, it's a well-thought new it's take, and I would expect nothing less from you, Scott. <laughs> um, so I'm seeing that I forgot to put um, Rudy Gobert in my list a little bit. I had Giannis as my third, um, because he's just everywhere. And Rudy Gobert is probably the better. We'll put Giannis as the, the dark horse again, and we'll put Rudy Gobert as three. Um, but I had, I had Dre as two, so you could even flip those, especially with the injury. But Dre is just everywhere, and Rudy can, Gobert can, he can do a couple, I mean, he can do 
It, no, he can basically only guard centers because he's not. He's just not fast enough, and lateral mo- movement is not good enough to guard fours that it can stretch it. But he stops everything in the paint. I mean, everything. He will make everybody not want to shoot in the paint, and he stops whatever happens to come there. So uh, I'll put him as number as number three, and we'll keep Dre at two. Yeah, I love that pick. I have Rudy Gobert uh, actually at number one on mine. Um, you mentioned it with you know, rim protection. He has always been, uh, not by NBA Twitter, but I think by the common observer, maybe one of the most underrated rim protectors simply because he is probably the NBA's best rim protector. And I, I think if he elevates Utah, I had them missing the playoffs when I did my season prediction, but if he can elevate them and, and that team makes the playoffs, I could see him racking up multiple accolades. I'm not saying he's going to win an MVP award, but I mean, let's see if he has some kind of monster breakout season where maybe even something like most improved player would be on the table for him. He's mm-hmm. such a high percentage shooter that, you know, I, I could see him having just an absolutely tremendous year. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so we kind of obviously have the same. I have one, you have two. I think it's Kawhi Leonard. Um, as we, as you said before in his MVP talk, He's probably one of the best two-way players because he is the premier lockdown defender, the claw, as people call him. He can steal it from you when you think you're in three-point stance and no one, and you're holding the ball close to yourself. He will just take it away from you and dunk on you all over the place. He's a machine, and it's kind of ridiculous how good he is as a defender. And he's, like you said, the stats were a little wonky, but we know he's solid. Yeah. Well, I, I've never seen anyone who could bother both LeBron James and Steph Curry, the, the same player who could bother both of them defensively. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I mean, LeBron and Steph are two entirely different players. Steph's obviously a great finisher, but he's so much more reliant on finesse even than a guy like LeBron who can just bruise his way through you and dominate you. And I, the fact that Leonard has caused problems for both of them, obviously they've both gotten theirs on, Le- I mean, players like LeBron and Steph are going to go for 30 against the best defense of all time, but the fact that they, in, in big moments, Leonard has been able to cause problems for both of them, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Kawhi Leonard guy, I do have him second, that was a good guess by you. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, he's going to be there for another decade. Um, yeah, for sure. The funny thing is, I'm thinking Iguodala could probably do both too if he wasn't on the Warriors, but maybe more in his prime. Yeah, the Rockets, man, when when there was a chance he was going to go to the Rockets, I was extremely excited. I thought, just thinking about that Golden State series, how much of a difference maker he could be. But alas, and this might be a spoiler of things to come, but I think he took, what was it, a little bit of a pay cut to end up back in Golden State. Oh, yeah. Um, And, yeah, they have Tucker instead and everybody else. That's pretty good. That Rockets team will come up on my list a little bit. Um, Why don't we move along to Rookie of the Year? This is gonna be interesting. I think this is gonna be interesting. Some people are gonna, people might hear my list here, and it's gonna be interesting. Who do you have? Well, hmm. How do you want to do this? There's so many. Like, let's. Who's your your? Uh... Well, there there are certainly a lot of them, um, and I, I haven't been able to catch up on all the action from opening night, so I'm very excited to old take expose myself. I, I have I have two candidates that I've ranked, and then I have a bunch of honorable mentions that we'll go go through. So. Dennis Smith Jr. is the first one. I love well, just when he goes toward the basket with a full head of steam and just he, he's going out there to like Westbrook on people. Um, 
uh, Josh Jackson, obviously in Phoenix, I think the, the grit, the, um, uh, he does things kind of intangibly that I don't think a lot of NBA rookies can do. And I think he'll absolutely be able to play power forward in the NBA level, which I think might, might surprise some people. But again, I, and even you think of like guys like John Collins in Atlanta and God, I, I mean, Lori Markinen is currently the only power forward on the Bulls who's not been punched in the face or suspended. So, you know, he's, he's also got a chance to do something, but, um, I think everyone in that category, and Fultz too, Markel Fultz, I don't, I don't want to forget him, but I think all of those people are taking a backseat to my, to my two real contenders this year. Well, this is me being a little hot takeish then. My three, um, I have three, one, two, three, and then I have my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions are Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, and Josh Jackson. Yeah, yeah, it's not terrible though. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of right there with you. That probably spoils who my number one pick is, at least. But, uh, but no, I don't, I don't think that's terrible. Well, Lonzo's gonna get blocked. If he can't shoot consistently enough, he's gonna get, it's not gonna be good. Um, there's just, he's the, of all these players, he has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Or not the highest ceiling, but it's close and the lowest floor. So, it's really, that's really kind of saying what you need to say about that. And, uh, we'll see what happens with him. I mean, they don't have a lot of talent around him. It's Brooke Lopez and... <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If the playoffs started today, the Lakers would be in because they would have the six-seeded zero and zero. So that's and one the, thing. And the Warriors so. would be the last team in the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. So that's one thing working in the favor. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I got the chance to watch him a little bit over the summer at Summer League, and I saw his great, you know, like 30-point triple-double game. But, you know, to be honest, I was not like overly impressed I was impressed that he looked really smooth and he looked better than you know the entire competition he was playing so um I agree with you I think he's a guy who does have a lot of variance I think he's probably he's probably as volatile a prospect and I don't mean that to have a negative connotation but I just mean in terms of I think he could be great I think he could be a Jason Kidd type any of the comparisons that people put out for him and if, if his shot actually becomes like a consistent weapon he can get it off quicker or higher you know then I think he could be awesome I also think he could be out of the league in five years because he never puts it together and people don't want to deal with the head case that he is so um is not not that he is that case. yeah not I mean, that not that he is the the whole that the, the whole, whole ball family experience I mean think about this so, the, the high and low yeah. for him is Kendall Marshall to Jason Kidd oh I totally agree like and okay and just so to, for those listening we are the sun we are sons fans but I from most of this thing I think you and I are some of the most Take a step back. We don't be fans when we're doing our analysis. So I think you can. It's not just fandom that's saying that Lonzo Ball is not going to win Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, no, it's just possible. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think the biggest case of that would be for I believe three straight years now on my podcast, I've picked the Suns to finish last in the Western Conference. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeding into any disillusions here and picking Devin Booker to win MVP or anything like that. So no, but I do have Lonzo Ball second um, because I, I think his passing ability, while it's, I would say not even as good as my uh, number one pick, but I think his feel for getting guys the ball where they want it is probably already elite for an NBA player. Um, I, I think the game is not going to be too big for him. I think he'll be able to, uh, I think he's going to, first of all, play a lot of minutes, which is a big part of it. And I, I really think if 
it, it may be more on the guys who play with him. If he can elevate guys like a Julius Randle, like a Brandon Ingram, even, I mean, we've seen Kyle Kuzma be like absolutely awesome. Yep. If that continues, if he can make these guys look good, I think voters will reward him and say, you know, maybe his scoring wasn't great and his jump shot looks like he's swinging a sword that he had to take out of a sheath on his right side. Um, <laughs> but, God, if he can make everyone else look good, I think they will give him some votes. Well, I don't know if this is on your list. I don't know if it's an oversight or just a, forgot, but uh, my third is Jason Tatum. Um, especially with the Hayward injury, he's going to have some ch- chances, and a lot of people think that he's potential for it there are just so many people in this this is such a good draft and everybody has like all the right people have the right um uh, playing time and the right stuff and there's also my number two ben simmons with his that he was last last year didn't play so he's technically a rookie this year um same thing with joel and b last year um that's the process right there um and so Ben Simmons could all just there's so many people that could be that could be rookie of the year and it's really going to be hard to tell. We'll revisit this again in a couple of months, several months, and we'll uh, know a lot better. Um, but uh, my number two is Ben Simmons, and I'm thinking that's your number one. Yeah, well, first, you, good call on Jason Tatum. He wasn't originally on my list, but after the Gordon Hayward injury, he absolutely should be. That's a great point by you. I think he's the opportunity is going to be there. He was already in the starting lineup. Um, you know, the Celtics team is going to have flaws. I mean, they sure as hell can't, like, grab a rebound to save their lives. But uh, he's, he's going to get chances to score, and, and we've seen him already look comfortable, even if I think he had that quote after the game saying, like, LeBron is bigger and better than he thought he would be. But um, he won't be going up against LeBron's every night. So, no, I think that's a good call. Ben Simmons is absolutely my number one. Um, I got the chance to not only to watch him play in person, to not only speak to him in the 76ers locker room, but also watch uh, the Philadelphia 76ers practice. They came to Allen Fieldhouse. Um, they were playing a game in Kansas City. Joel Embiid is a Kansas, uh, a former Kansas player. So they, they stopped by Allen Fieldhouse. And as you mentioned at the beginning, I covered the Jayhawks. So got the chance to, to kind of go to a practice of the 76ers. And I tell you, the level of poise you see from a guy like Ben Simmons. Um, I kind of mentioned it with Lonzo Ball, but it's it's a completely another level uh, with Ben Simmons. The game, no, nothing is too big for him. He looks smooth. He looks composed. He knows where to be all the time, whether it's on or off the floor. Uh, the way Coach Brett Brown talks about him, you know, he, he basically kept saying, you know, people don't want to say he's a point guard because he's 6'10". He, he's a point guard. He just happens to be six foot ten and you know I really I really tried to watch for it when I got to cover that Sixers heat game at Sprint Center and I know it's a one game sample and all that. I didn't get to watch too much from mid LSU because you know covering a Big Twelve team, not an SEC team, but um when I watched him play, I, I tried to watch for things like the year before I got to see Chris Dunn play, and I could tell pretty quickly Chris Dunn was going to have problems in, in his rookie year and he he was not going to be on the floor just because when he would dribble with the ball and guys would hound him and he would be, he'd be a little loose with the ball and maybe almost commit a turnover and then he'd start giving it up and, and you could just see he was not comfortable in his role. Ben Simmons was the opposite. He was going to guys. Guys wanted to challenge his handle. Guys wanted to guard him close. He was taking it to him. Now he happened to have an amazing game. I think he shot 9 of 11 from the floor, had 5 assists, no turnovers, and like 9 rebounds. But um, from there, I really, I really dove into some more uh, preseason film on him and 
I, I just have to say I'm a, I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. I think uh, I, I think his passing ability, like Lonzo, is probably already elite for the NBA. Um, I think he's going to be a great driver. Not saying he's going to be a LeBron James, but uh, but his rebounding, passing, scoring ability. I think we haven't seen that combination from a rookie probably. I mean, probably since LeBron James. So that that's where I'm at. He's my pick. Yep. Um, so let's get back to. What I got here, we have uh, my my number one was Dennis Smith Jr. Sure. So, um, I just think that the opportunity if he can mesh with Rick Carlisle enough, because Rick Carlisle is notoriously hard on rookies and point guards. If, he, if they can get it to go, he's just going to be so good. He's going to use so much that it's going to be kind of amazing. So, um, yeah, that's my pick for that. Let's move on to the most improved player of the year. Oh boy! What do you got for your uh, for number three? I don't have any honorable mention here. Yeah, I say oh boy because I got a real hot take at number three. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Derek Rose. Really? I know, oh. right? <laughs> uh, game one did not do me kind of the Cavaliers season. <laughs> oh boy. Um. So I'm not crazy. Here's what my thinking is. Um. I think. We've kind of, the pendulum has swung on Derrick Rose to the point where he's not a great player. He's not going to be Derrick Rose of old, but I think people started hating on him a little too much. And like, look, you're not going to find a guy who's less of a fan of Derrick Rose, the person and player than myself. Um, but what I do know is if you surround Derrick Rose with shooting and talent, like he has never previously played with in his NBA career, uh, he's probably going to have a pretty good season, and so on, on that basis, I could I could see him actually having a pretty nice time. And to the extent that where when Isaiah Thomas comes back, they're comfortable bringing him off the bench and letting him destroy bench units. So uh, that was kind of my thinking in picking him third. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, let's see who we got. Um, I have my third is Norman Powell for Ooh. Toronto. Um, I was kind of looking through rosters today to figure out who would be this, because this is really picking out of a hat. This is the one that goes wrong when you're doing picks. There's almost the whole point of it is that there's no one you can really pick to to do it, because the whole definition of it is they come out of nowhere. Um, so uh, that's my pick for for number three. Who do you got for number two? Uh, my number two is a little more. Um, I, I guess mainstream. D'Angelo Russell, love the opportunity he's going to get in, in with the Nets. And we saw, I think he had 30 points in his first game. Um, you know, I, I, th- I can like Lakers point guards. I just happen to like the, uh, the one who's not on the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> more, but, but, but no, I, I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's going to, I think the Nets are going to be a lot worse than, than some people think. I think Bill Simmons said he saw them getting like the eighth pick in the draft. I think that's insane. I think they're going to be a bottom five team in the NBA. Um, but I, I think D'Angelo Russell could have an absolutely monstrous year and uh, make the Lakers think that they kept the wrong number two pick out of all three of them. Okay, um, I have the uh, Jonathan Simmons, who's in Orlando now, that yeah. was in San Antonio. I think his opportunity there, he, he, I mean, he could take away, I mean, he's a very good player, and compared to Alfred Payne, he can shoot better, he's more aggressive, he's more athletic. I think he's going to take some stuff there, and he's going to really... I mean, they're going to be a horrible team, and he's uh, the not the most athletic player because that's Aaron Gordon, but maybe the most talented player, the most like he's really good, and there and he hasn't shown it yet because he came out. He was was he a D league? He paid a hundred fifty bucks to try out for the Spurs a couple <laughs> years ago, 
and now he's like making millions and millions. So uh, yeah, that's what who my number two is. All right. So should I should I go into my number one then? Do it. Do it. All right, my number one, uh, Miles Turner, a guy I got the, the chance to watch playing college at Texas, a guy I got the chance to talk to, and, you know, right before I covered the draft, he got drafted, and, and since then I've been uh, nothing but an Im- impressed by him. He's gotten better and better every year, and, uh, you know, in the in the win over the Nets today, I mean, they scored 140 points. He had 21-14 with four blocks. Not much more needs to be said. I, I think I think Miles Turner is in for a, for a monster this year. There you go, there you go. Uh, my number one is, I think, the same number one I had last year, and I think it's still going to do it. Rodney Hood in Utah. Yeah. He is good. He They don't have Gordon Hayward anymore, and he's going to put up some points. He's going to, he's a good, he's a good, I like him. He's a good player. And he's <laughs> the win most improved player some, one of these years, so I'm right. But also, he's awesome, and I think that he has a good chance to win it. Yeah, I'm I'm on, I'm on board with that. I've I've previously picked him. I don't remember when I picked him, but um, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that pick. I think again, it goes back to Utah. If Utah exceeds expectations and and is good, I think a number of those guys on that team could clean up with awards. For sure. Um, let's move to the sixth man of the year, which is a more another somewhat more pigeonholed one. Um, so my my I'll just start here. My Honorable mention is Jamal Crawford. He's won it more than anybody in history. Um, he's won it three times. He could win it again. But I have three other people who I think could, given the right opportunity and the right and health and stuff, win it, have better chance at winning it than he does. Because he is, what is he, 36 now? 36 I think he, he might be older than that. He, yeah, might, he might be 38. Be, might be 38, which is crazy because he looks like he's <laughs> 28 or less. Anyway, um, my number three is TJ Warren. If anybody's going to win an award for the Suns, it's probably going to be him winning Sixth Man of the Award of the Year. Um, that's the only, that's the most likely one, and that's my number three. He can score, he can't play defense, and we all know that Sixth Man of the Year is really the I can shoot and I have a volume score off the bench, and I really should be playing starting for a bad team. And he is a Sixth Man for a bad team, and will put up a lot of points, and that's really what the award's about. What do you think? Um, I, I don't mind the pick. I don't disagree with the pick. I will warn you. Um, I am. I will be very careful not to spoil things because I know you haven't seen the Suns game. Uh, me. I hear it's bad. I did he hurt himself. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's. Uh, I'm. Just, he just didn't come off the bench for game one. So that that would be the only thing that would uh, throw a wrench into your plans. People tweeting me like like somebody I know <laughs> died or something. Goodness <laughs> Just um, wait till you watch it. Oh gosh, this is gonna be horrible. Oh, it's gonna be so bad. I'm gonna be so mad. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see here. We've got um, who's your number? Who's your number three? Uh, number three, I have Rudy Gay. I think it's mostly the the Spurs revival pick. Um, you know, good start for him. I think he had. Uh, gosh, I can't remember now. I think he had 14 points and five rebounds in game one, or something like that, and a couple assists. But um, no, I, I think. If you want to, if you ever want like a good pick for any awards, it's pick the veteran who uh, goes and plays with the Spurs. I almost put him for most improved player, uh, uh, you know, had a guy like Derrick Rose. So uh, I could see Rudy Gay having a really nice year. And once all the pieces are back with that team uh, again, if that team wins sixty games, look out for a bunch of Spurs. Hmm. There you go. Um, my number two is J.R. Smith. Um, with Wade in Cleveland, J.R. Smith could fill the same exact role as Crawford but on the Cavaliers and a 60-win team. So I think that he, who has been starting for a while, 
coming off the bench, if as long as he accepts it, those rumors that it wasn't um, good or whatever that he didn't like it, if he can accept it, he'll be he can put up some points. Uh, I, I no, I'm I'm a okay with that pick. I'll give I'll give my number two because I'm I'm like extremely excited. Um, <laughs> my favorite roster in the NBA is the Los Angeles Clippers. Really, like, I I. Uh, Adore their roster. I from from the point guard spot. I love Patrick Beverly. I love Milos Teodosic. Uh, I love that they brought in a guy like Gallinari. I, I hope Blake Griffin stays healthy because I think he's become underrated somehow. And I'm gonna keep it on that roster for my six man. I'm gonna go Lou Will. Um, as you mentioned, all about scoring, and I, I think it, it's crazy the, the Clippers finally have depth. And I'm not saying they're going to be better because you lose Chris Paul, you don't get better. But it would not shock me if there was an injury to a team like the Thunder and the or the Rockets, and the Clippers somehow went on a Western Conference Finals run really? this year and got Man, got slaughtered have, by the Warriors. I have, as I as you heard on the Matt Moore podcast, I'm a DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. Uh, I'm iffy on him. Yeah, no, and I, I get that too. I just but the whole thing. I mean, the Clippers are not my team. I just I look at that roster and and even guys like you know you think of like Sam Decker and I, Austin Rivers could actually not be horrible this year and I I think they just finally have depth Owen oh, Harrell Montrose Harrell I, I think they actually have like enough depth to be a solid team and and that really excites me because no disrespect to Chris Paul who's one of the greatest point guards of all time um he doesn't. They were Lob City, and that part of it was exciting. But Chris Paul does not lend himself to fun basketball the way that a guy like Milos Teodosic might. Or, you know, like, I, I love watching Patrick Beverly play. I get fired up watching that dude play basketball. So uh, I love the Clippers this year, and that's why I'm taking Lou Will. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, my number one, who actually might be your number one, is uh, Eric Gordon of the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Because he won, he won it last year, right? I mean, am I wrong about mm-hmm. that? And, no, you're right. And I saw him play on opening night. And I'm like, this is he's really good. And even <laughs> though he may not be as good as that most nights, they're going to be good. He's going to they're going to score, and he's going to score, and he's going to play. He's going to pl- he's playing starter minutes off the bench. Like he's not like they're they're putting. I think they're putting Ariza Tucker, um, CP3. They're kind of staggering the two of the two stars. But then though, like he's going to play a lot. And and he's gonna score a lot because they're just gonna just try to score as much as possible. And I just I just don't see how he doesn't win it. I mean I do because I have other picks, but <laughs> he's a good he's a good uh, bet to win it. No, I, I totally agree. Um, on my podcast Triple OT, we have three very different personalities. Evan <laughs> is a, a Midwest guy; he's always been Midwest. Mike is a, a Bulls fan, Chicago guy, loves the Eastern Conference, and I like the West Coast teams. I love watching the California teams, obviously the Phoenix Suns. So I have a little bit of a West Coast bias. All three of us picked Eric Gordon to be our Sixth Man of the Year. It was the only award the three of us agreed on, and I, I think that says a lot right there. I think you totally nailed it. Opportunity team is going to be good. He's obviously a very good player, and lest we forget, one time he was almost a member of the Phoenix Suns when he oh, was a <laughs> restricted free agent and begged the maybe it was the Hornets not to match him, and then they did. So, and then the rest is history, and he hurts his knee. <laughs> he doesn't play for like four years. And then now he's doing all this great stuff. Yeah, that was an interesting part because we were like jazzed about it that he was going to come because he was really good <laughs> at the time. And then we're like, ooh, you're not healthy and you can't play. 
Now he yeah, that... so he's he's fine now. We picked him. Um, now let's do some coach of the year stuff. Um, this is kind of interesting because you're kind of picking people who are going to surprise the near the, with all these awards, Scott. As you're saying, there's a lot of narrative involved. Um, Six man of the year is more of a who scored the most points off the bench. Like it's it's not that it's not very hard to do. Most improved player, coach of the year, are very narr- narrative and um, surprise driven. Well, MVP, like last year, it was a four-way race, basically, or a two-way race, depending on how you look at it. A very, I mean, competitive, competitive, not a runaway by any means. Um, defensive player of the year is, like, it's kind of obvious. It's, it's actually maybe one of the most obvious ones that there is. Um, who can lock down who? But coach of the year is very surprise-driven. Um, who's your number three? Um, my number three, and I think this guy might be my number one after yesterday, is Brad Stevens. I know the Celtics have have an 0-2 start to the season, but I I previously had the Celtics as my three seed. I'm not sure they're going to be there anymore without Gordon Hayward, who I believe at least was their best player. He was. Um, But if if the Celtics can be a top four seed in the East after, I mean, undergoing a devastating, even if not physically, just psychologically, uh, a devastating injury in the first, you know, five minutes of their season, um, I, I think, as you mentioned, the narrative will swing to Brad Stevens and say, you know, we all know he's a great coach. Wow. You know, he lost an all-star, and they still basically were awesome. So if they could, they could win 55 games, something like that, Brad Stevens would be my number three. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, I'm looking at mine now, and I'm actually thinking I may have left somebody off that I should have left off. But uh, my number three, and he'll kind of always be on here, is Rick Carlisle. Um, mm-hmm. expectations plus he's just such a good coach he's the head of the coaches association and the com- com- competition committee he just knows so much about basketball he knows how to coach it and he's going to take D- Dirk Nowitzki's rotting husk and <laughs> the rest of and Dennis Smith Jr. and people just players that are average and make them a good team that can potentially make the playoffs like what is this the 20th year in a row he's done that right after Dirk was out of his prime um, so he's my third. Who's your two? Um, I feel horrible about my number two. It's Tom Thibodeau, and I'm already like regretting this. That's my I, number two. I was initially thinking like maybe he can get the Timberwolves to to do you know maybe maybe be the five seed in the Western Conference, and I kind of still think they will because they have so much talent. But man, that the fit of the roster, I was a little bit nervous about it, and the game one against the Spurs did absolutely nothing to quell my nerves. Jeff Teague didn't look like he fit at all. Jimmy Butler, and, and again, these guys are going to adjust, and it'll take some time, and they'll get they'll get fit in. But you know, kind of the same story. Wiggins looked awesome, and and yet they, you know, they couldn't beat a Spurs team without Kawhi Leonard. So it's one game. I'm not going to overreact to one game, but um, I, I think if Tom Thibodeau can get them to be the five seed in the West. Um, I, I absolutely think he could be in line for that award, especially because, you know, there's a, there's a drop off after four in, in the Western Conference. It's obviously yeah. Golden, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Houston, and, and San Antonio, whatever order you want to put those teams. That being said, there's still a lot of freaking good teams. Case in point, I mean, the Grizzlies might finish with the 11th best record in the West or the sixth best record in the West. They could feasibly finish with either of those because they have two stars of Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, but everyone does. The Blazers have two stars, the the Jazz have Rudy Gobert, and they have a bunch of nice pieces, and the Nuggets have Paul Millsap and and Jokic, and you know, so 
I, that's that's uh, if if they can rise to to be the five seed, I, I think Tom Thibodeau is a shot, or any other team really that claims that five seed in the Western yeah. Conference. Tom Thibodeau is my number two. Just defense, the fact that he's a well-known commodity, but has a team of a team that was bad. Like you kind of know that it's going to be good, but until it is good, it kind of still counts as on his resume or whatever. So I think that's a good pick. Uh, I'm curious to see if we have the same number one. Um, I'm as I said before. I think I mean Pop could always be on the list. I didn't put him on the list this year just because he's always. I mean he's always. If you say best coach in the league, it's always Pop until he's retires. Like that's not. But it's again coach of the year narrative and surprise. So my number one is Brett Brown of the Sixers. Um, I, I think that just if they can make the playoffs with that many rookies and people have already been saying he's such a good coach and he really is. And you don't have to, it's not just the X and O's, it's, it's motivation, it's understanding your players. And I think it's possible that he could, he can, he could win it. He's, I'm hoping he does. I love that pick. I'm mad that I didn't think of that. So, so that's a point for you. Um, I, I'm going to take a similar pick. Uh, Philadelphia was, I have them as the eight seed. Evan had them at the seven. I could see them being as high as a five seed if Embiid plays like 60 games. Uh, that being said, no, no, no. Or I have enough my, minutes. He won't play, yeah. I mean, he'll play. 30, 20, 20 minutes a game? I don't know. He played 28 minutes the first game, which was pretty surprising given what his minutes restrictions was supposed to be. But um, uh, my pick was the team they actually lost to uh, today. I, I went with Scott Brooks. I love Washington's starting five. Uh, you know, obviously Markeith Morris is injured right now, so he kind of needs to get back um, there. But uh, I could absolutely see, even before the Celtics, you know, the injury to Gordon Hayward, I had Washington finishing with the second best record in the West. And, and again, you've totally nailed it with the, the surprise and expectation things. Perfect example. KU coach Bill Self has won the Big 12 13 years in a row. It's the longest streak by a single coach in a single conference in NCAA history. And he doesn't win coach of the year every year, despite the fact that your coach recruits players, your coach coaches players. So it really should just be the best record every year, but KU is expected to win the league every year. So Bill Self doesn't win coach of the year every year because, as you've mentioned, that's how it works. And I, I think it's the same thing with the Wizards. If you want to give it to the best coach, you give it to Greg Popovich. It's, n- it's not going to happen. So um, well, Interesting. Yeah. I think that their expectations are too high that he, unless they – the thing is, it's not – the award's given out during the first round of the playoffs or whatever. So you don't know, like – I was, I was going to say, if they make the finals, then yes, he's the best coach, but the award's given out before then. Like, if they have the number one seed, then maybe he gets it, but the expectations are that they're a top four seed anyway, because they have the talent for it, they were it last year. So, there, I don't see the expectations, I don't see him winning it, but I think, I mean, it's not a bad pick. Yeah, are you, you talking about Scott Brooks? Yes, and the Wizards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hear that, but I, but I'm thinking like you know I could see this team winning something like 55 games, which I'm not, I'm not sure. At least I haven't seen many people predicting that out of the East. I think this Wizards team, uh, a big part of it will be winning its showcases against Western Conference teams, and if it can do that and and impress in that way, and people would look at it and say, man, this team would be cracking the top four in the Western Conference. Uh, and can, again, they have to be the two seed or higher in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. A three seed does not get Scott Brooks coach of the year, but, um, no, I, I could see them impressing. Again, want to see him when Markeith Morris comes back, but man, I liked the Wizards before 
the Gordon Hayward injury. I like them after the Gordon Hayward injury, and I'm not saying they're going to beat the Cavs, but uh, I, I they're they're pretty much my second favorite team in the Western Conf- or in the Eastern Conference. They're pretty awesome. They're kind of Suns East, and they're awesome. <laughs> plus John Wall. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like them a lot. I hope they hope they do really well. We don't want to talk about the Raptors much. They're going to be pretty good too. They brought back most of the same team. Ibaka's on their team still, right? Yep, they 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 kept Ibaka. They lost a few pieces though, they like PJ Tucker, obviously. But yeah. yeah, well, we love PJ Tucker, but <laughs> as I, and I, he got. A, I was watching the Rockets game, Rockets Warriors, and I tweeted it in all caps because I've been saying it for four years. PJ Tucker gets all the fourth quarter rebounds all the time in clutch time. All the time. No, it's it's uh, Suns fans know Suns fans know all too well uh, what PJ Tucker can be, and it, it's awesome to seeing him get to do it on a team like the Rockets. And it's going to be awesome if Eric Bledsoe gets to do the same thing because um, removing not not even thinking about again because I'm very conscious not to spoil anything for today. Just thinking about last year, how incredible he was and how disappointing it was for him to be shut down. Um, you know, at the end of the year, Eric Bledsoe's awesome, man, and uh, it would be it would be cool. Let's say he could get traded to a team like the Nuggets. Did he get that traded to the Nuggets? No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm throwing it out there, though. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're throwing me off. This is like I gotta go watch this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, T.J. Warren tore his ACL, and Eric Bledsoe got traded in the first quarter. So it's a brutal game. Crazy. Okay, <laughs> um, let's do the uh, executive of the year, and then we'll uh, um, be done. Um, I kind of threw this one at you, so I'm just going to do my three, and then we'll just talk about the guys, because I think we have all, it's all the same guys. Um, exactly. Daryl Morey is number three. Um, Bob Myers, um, Daryl Morey is in Houston. Bob Myers is in Golden State. And Sam Presti is in OKC. Um, I'll talk OKC really quick, just because the, the fact that they got Mello and Paul George for what they got him for Gives them coaches, I mean, gives them executive of the year. It's like literally almost nothing anybody can do will fix that. Um, Bob Myers and Cone State got Caspi and Nick Young and Jordan Bell. And that's amazing <laughs> because they have, they're working with nothing. Um, and then, and also, also Presti on, um, resending Westbrook. And then, uh, Daryl Morey got Tucker and just filled in his roster and got Chris Paul for not much. So I think that's kind of a done deal. Yeah, I, uh, I, those are my three exactly. I'm a little bit of a different order. I have Presty, uh, actually, uh, two and, and Myers one. And then here's why Presty was awesome. Um, the trades you mentioned, getting a guy like Patrick Patterson, basically taking a roster that, um, had some kind of bad con, not necessarily bad. Cause like, I think Victor Oladipo is super underrated right now. And I think he's going to have a monster year in Indiana, but, but taking some contracts that didn't really fit his team, turning them into players who absolutely fit his team. And then you mentioned it, the biggest move made in Oklahoma city this year was keeping Russell Westbrook. People want to say pe- people had a problem about them bringing in Paul George for potentially one year. The thing is, you never know when the next time you're going to have a Russell Westbrook is. And here's how I know that. The Suns don't have a Russell Westbrook. If Devin Booker turns out to be as good as someone like Russell Westbrook, I think every Suns fan would sign up for that right now because Russell Westbrook's generational talent. So when you have that, every year you go all out for a championship, and that's what they've been doing. So um, a huge fan of that this year. Bob Myers, the biggest signing he made this summer was Kevin Durant taking a pay cut that allowed them to spend the money to keep Andre Iguodala. I was on a, uh, 
uh, yeah, yeah, and Livingston. I was on a um, I was on a show in Chicago, and they asked me. They asked me who was the best signing of the summer, and I said Kevin Durant. And they asked me why, and I said it was exactly that. You're getting the player that I would start a franchise with if I could start from scratch. You're getting that guy to not take max money, so you can sign other pieces. We've seen how important Andre Iguodala is, and that finals that the Warriors lost to the Cavaliers. I mean, it was guys like Iguodala and Bogut were banged up. Steph was banged up, and and the loss was it was. It was so different. You saw what Iguodala was in, in, you know, the early games of just this last finals. His numbers weren't monstrous like Kevin Durant's, but just his athleticism was backbreaking. He would come in and make a play, and you'd just be like, well, how the heck are we supposed to deal with this? So um, uh, I, I think the fact that the Warriors just got incredibly, I mean, they're already kind of deep, but they got uh, pretty incredibly deep now. I, I think, I, and, and the Kevin Durant pay cut, I, I would give it to Bob Myers. But, you know, I think Presty and Maury have, have absolutely done their jobs. Um, uh, I think you've seen, um, oh, I'm blanking. Who is the, the Timberwolves GM? I'm blanking on the name. Um, they've had turnover. I'm trying to, I think it's Tibbs. He's, he's, the, he's both. So if he is doing both, I wasn't sure, but I mean, you could throw it to Minnesota there too for basically acquiring Jimmy Butler for Chris Dunn, who didn't seem to fit their plans anyway, and a guy like Zach Levine who's coming off an ACL surgery. So, um, yeah, I think there's a number of guys, but those those would definitely be my three. Well, this has been awesome, and I'm going to go cry while I watch the Suns game. <laughs> um, probably. Uh, we shall see. Um, why don't you plug your stuff, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again, uh, as always, for for having me on. Um, if you're interested, I'm I'm on Twitter at Chase and Scott. I cover uh, Kansas basketball, Kansas football, Kansas athletics. I, I write for the Lawrence Journal World. It's the paper in Lawrence, Kansas, where Kansas is. I'm also doing an NBA podcast, Triple OT. Uh, you can follow at Triple OTP. We don't have great guests like Eric, myself, not included. Um, but we do have a lot of fun banner from three guys who have known each other for for a long, long time. So it's a little bit of a different feel, but. Uh, I certainly recommend it, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, the Triple T podcast is awesome. Scott is awesome. I think we've known each other for what, like five <laughs> years now, six years. I don't know. It's oh man, it's it's been a while, it's man. Been a while now. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Star. Um, this is actually the, you're Scott. You are the first person on my second year of this show. I've done twenty nine shows, um, and I've had to almost. I think Scott uh, Troy was on one, twice, and Jabari was on twice, but everybody else was on once. And you're on here for the second time in the first episode of the second year. And it's been going pretty good. I'm happy for all the stuff we've gotten. I wish we could continue to grow. Um, <laughs> more people listen and subscribe on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And again, of course, I have my other business, Elite Hoops Development, where I can train NBA players as I'm certified by Impact Basketball. Uh, thanks again, Scott, for coming on. And have a great day, everybody. Yeah.